Once in a while, I lie. This is an episode of the Two Minute Time Lord podcast that will not be two minutes long. It's time dilation time. It's an interview with Graham Burke and Robert Smith, question mark. Or is that Robert Smith? I'm always unclear about that. We're talking about their latest book, The Doctors Are In. Welcome to the Two Minute Time Lord podcast, and welcome to my two guests, Graham and Robert. Hello, guys. Hey, Chip. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm not accustomed to having multiple guests on my podcast in the same room. <laughs> we, we are, in fact, sharing an earpiece, so it's all class here. <laughs> the world's first Siamese podcasters. I'm, it is true. I'm loving this. It's uh, conjoined podcasters. Conjoined <laughs> podcasters. That's, that's more proper. That's more appropriate. Um, my apologies to Thailand. Uh, Robert and Graham, uh, you guys have been just awfully prolific lately. Uh, for those of you who do not know who Robert and Graham are, uh, they are writers and editors in the Doctor Who world and have cranked out an astonishing amount of content over the years. Most recently, a trilogy of books that are, I guess, they're a guide to Doctor Who, not just for old fans um, and fans who like lists, but also new fans. Isn't that right? Yeah, I, th I think we try and operate on two levels. And I think that's one of the, the nice things about the book, that it, it can be read if you're a brand new fan, you want to learn some stuff about the show and, and you know, the associated sort of, you know, all, all the trappings that come with it, I guess. Um, but also we go, you know, into the detail because that's the kind of fans that we are as well ourselves. And, and I actually really like that kind of writing on two levels that we do. I mean, the key word that Robert and I have done over three books is enthusiasm. Uh, that we feel that it's necessary to be enthusiastic as fans, and not uncritical, but enthusiastic. And I think as a result, um, it's something that new fans coming into it find themselves welcomed, and established fans uh, find themselves with with new things to to be confronted with, which is great. Now, the first book was Who is the Doctor, which was an introduction to basically the new series with little sidebars to help whet the appetite for uh, fans to discover the classic series. And we spoke about that on the podcast. And then after that, you had Who's 50, the 50 Doctor Who episodes you must watch before you die, which is kind of grim. <laughs> we don't actually want you to die. We don't we want, want you to, to watch Doctor Who. We want you to watch Doctor Who. Let's, let's. I, I was going to say, I mean, the, the thing to do is clearly to watch 49 episodes and then stop, right? Yeah, you know, I've never seen Tenth Planet 3. I'm saving it for my deathbed. <laughs> I didn't know that. That is, that is true. It's a true fact. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm missing much, but still, I'm saving it. <laughs> And and the th and the thing about these two books was that uh, you engaged in rather spirited dialogue with each other within the confines in the book. Well, uh, if, that, if that's if that's how you want to describe it, yes. I mean, <laughs> I personally prefer calling it cudgeling someone to death, but yes, <laughs> literally. But yeah, you know. yeah. I think we basically wrote down all the fights we were having in a coffee shop and <laughs> pretty much word for word. Yeah. I mean, we, we're two very different people and we have very different opinions on Doctor Who. And I think that speaks to something larger about fandom because fandom is not homogenous and especially Doctor Who fandom, I think. It's, it's a big church and there are, you know, 
strange people out there who like David Tennant, and there's me who doesn't. And so, you know, you, you get you get all. Oh, kinds. this podcast and, is over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and so I, I think it captures that kind of like you know ongoing dialogue that fans have because I, you know that's what we're always doing at Tavern, and you know Graham and I were always getting to you know comical, sometimes drunken fights about things that were never bitter but always entertaining, and that's the kind of thing that we wanted to bring to the books. Well, you know, that's the thing I've always felt about. Uh, you know, it doesn't just illustrate something about fandom, but I think it illustrates something special about Doctor Who itself. It's the show is kind of a Rorschach test um, for that sort of reveals the personality of the person watching it. But it's also been around for fifty years plus and reinvents itself constantly. And that's one of the early things I said on this podcast is that eventually, if Doctor Who doesn't feel like it's for you anymore, just wait a while; it'll come back to you. I think that's precisely it. We've been, I think, I think one of the things that I think Robert and I love most about Doctor Who is its constant ability to change and and reshuffle the decks and come up with a different way of doing it. And that was that was the real fun of doing Who's Fifty was that we were able to sort of go through how Doctor Who had done that in miniature by looking at fifty different stories along the way and sort of seeing fifty different postcards of of what Doctor Who was at any particular time. And and, and I love that diversity of. And, and it's one of the things that uh, it's one of the reasons why I've always stuck with Doctor Who is I just never get bored. So the first two books were episode guides. And for the third book, you did another episode guide, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, pray, we, we did a what doctor did you, guide. <laughs> what did you what? Yeah. Ex- explain this doctor guide phenomenon for me, please. Well, I think what happened was we we said we said well we, you know what's left to do because because the obvious thing to do was to finally do a sequel to Who Is the Doctor but we just didn't feel that there was enough episodes to actually sustain a guide and we thought well what is there you know we can't really do another Who's Fifty you know another fifty stories to watch before you die in case you didn't yeah. in case you already got through the other fifty uh, I think what we came upon was was the Doctor uh, doing a guide to the Doctor himself and what made sort of doing character studies of each of the doctors and sort of talking about what what was Doctor Who and what was the doctor in each of in each of the incarnations he was um, and it was one of those things where it it didn't I didn't quite really get it until I sat down and wrote the proposal. And the first thing I wrote in the proposal was the Matt Smith's last line, you know, we're, you know, that, you know, we're different things to different people in in our, in our lives. You know, it's constantly changing. And, and I just, and I just thought, yeah, that's pretty much what it, what this book is about. This book is about, um, you know, this book is about that sort of wonderful, glorious changingness of the Doctor and and the and and the kind of person that he is from different times. Uh, I, and I and we and I wanted to write about that. Yeah, and I think it delves into sort of the psychology of each of the Doctors and kind of thinking about you know who they are as people, both you know where that comes from. So you know sometimes from the actors, sometimes from the creator, sometimes some you know weird and wonderful hybrid there, um, and and also kind of the the things that surround him as well. So you know like like there's obviously trappings of each era. There's you know companions and monsters and and supporting cast and things like that. And so so we want to sort of see how all that plays around the character. Um, and so as a result, we also look at the the sort of key stories in those those eras as well. And you know I think that's where we have a lot of fun. With with you know banter that we have with each other and so on, um, talking about what what those add um, to the process. How do you when you're doing a book that is a dialogue, 
and it's a snarky dialogue. Um, how do you write it? Do you just say, okay, here's the file, here you go? Um, do you fire up Google Docs and write at the same time and uh, then get on Skype to yell at each other? How do you do No, that? no, no. You just literally, I just email it to him and the next day it comes back and, and he said something wrong. Um, in re- in response, it's pretty straightforward, actually. Um, yeah, we, we yeah, it just basically works like that. We we, we what we usually do is uh, we with each chapter. If if Robert has written the lead review on an episode or a chapter in one of our books, chances are he's written that whole that whole section. So so what will happen is I will get a file for the whole section, uh, and I will and I will go through the whole thing and I will make corrections to it and stuff like that and track changes, and then I will write a review. <laughs> I will write a second opinion to it um, and say you're wrong. Um, and the same thing happens. You know, he will give me back it with with you know where he's taken whatever I've written in an approximation of English and actually put it in English and then and then basically then say you're wrong um and you know it, it sort of it sort of works like that I mean I don't I, I mean I, ob- I object slightly to the fact that we're deliberately snarky we, we it's not like fake wrestling or anything like that it's just I mean there's lots of times when Robert and I are actually generally relatively relatively you know that we're pretty much close to each other in terms of where our opinions are on things um but you know but yeah when we do differ it it does it does tend it, it to does be. get a little spectacular. It sometimes. does. It does get a little spectacular. <laughs> and it is genuine. Um, yes, yeah, it, it really is. And and I mean, we, we have these genuine differences anyway. We've all we, we've been friends now twenty years, and we've we've often had very differing opinions. And I think that's that's great because you know I, I've I've never needed someone to agree with me to be my friend. And I think that's one of the joys of fandom. Yeah. Well, why is that? And I just want to sort of uh, veer off to the side of the road for a second here. Um, I admit that there are times when I see uh, fanish, fanish fights going on on the internet, or if uh, somebody uh, is very, very voluble in how bad they think an episode is, and it happens to be an episode that I really like, I sometimes feel a little personally, a, a little personally affronted that uh, you know so you're attacking my taste or you're saying I'm an idiot for liking this thing, but that never seems to happen to the two of you. Well, I, th- I think actually we're two people with enormous egos, <laughs> and so we're actually supremely confident in our own views, even if someone else disagrees, <laughs> and that's kind of been the secret. And I think we're also just very polite, actually. Um, <laughs> we are. That. Yeah, we're Canadians. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think there's some a certain certain degree of culturalness about it. I mean, I I, I mean. When I'm on a convention panel, I'm I'm very forthright in my opinions and stuff like that. But I, I tend to, I tend to just sort of, uh, if someone's giving a differing opinion, I'm not. I, I don't tend to go at it hammer and tongs with them very, very much because I kind of feel like you know, that's that's his or hers view, and 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 who am I to say that anything different? Um, you know, um, so I, I don't, you know, to a certain extent, I always, I think, I think our books kind of exemplify, you know. Big egos, but but you know, relative relative values of politeness, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I have the same thing. It's it's you know, I like to be forthright, but I also like to be respectful, and I think you you marry those two, and you've got something really good. Now, um, in the sense you just did say that you know, in a lot of this book, you're you're, you're both perfectly aligned, and in one of those areas, I think your only disagreement about the Hinchcliffe era is who likes it more. <laughs> um, you know, so um, I'm going. Gra- to... Graham is sadly very wrong on Genesis of the Daleks, so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just sweep over that. I am not going there again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was a nice little bit of continuity from the previous book there. Um, so, but going to going to before you go into the episode guide, you know, when you're talking about the sweep of the season and all that, you both are so utterly laudatory. So, I'm going to steal a page from Graham's wonderful podcast, Reality Bomb, and I'm going to read a quote um, from a prominent Doctor Who podcaster. Um, who has opinions about uh, the writing of Doctor Who episodes. His name is, you might have heard of him, his name is Eric Stadnick. Ah, yes, I think I have. <laughs> yes, and and I asked him for his comments about the Philip Hinchcliffe era. And he said, Retreads of familiar gothic horror tales lacking all but the most faint whiff of creative effort. <laughs> Overly harsh, perhaps, but I thought it would do the job. It's funny. It's not. Uh, it's not an unheard opinion. It's. It, it's funny. I was. Uh, um, on since you mentioned Reality Bomb uh, a couple episodes ago, I did a documentary about some uh, found footage of uh, public television uh, in Canada from the nineteen from the late nineteen seventies, where they interviewed uh, people after showing them episodes of season thirteen and fourteen, and. It was interesting because their responses of several of them were very much like Eric's response. I'm, I think to a certain extent, I I I take I understand his point. Um, Well, well, don't understand his point. I'm giving you to the point. (laughs) I'm giving you to the opportunity to demonstrate to demonstrate together in unison, if you like. The 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 doctors are in approach to responding to this criticism of part one of the Tom Baker era. You're wrong. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think, okay, very well. Um, if you want me to, I, I think what Eric misses in, in that kind of approach is I think, I think he misses uh, the direction of, of most of the stories, which I think you do not see a greater, Autorial signature of the actual of the actual television director in Doctor Who until the Hinchcliffe era. It's it, it's it feels very much like a directed piece of 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 televisions. It feels very filmic. I also think that there's a lot of wit in in the Hinchcliffe era that is not being done. Yes, there is a lot of retreads of of a lot of stuff, but I th- I think to say that that is the sort of whole thing of the Hinchcliffe era, I think you're missing a lot of things. I think, I think, I think it is, it is a visually cohesive era in a way that Doctor Who wasn't for a long time. I think it is a very kind of, it has, um, Lots of Robert, jump in anytime. Okay, I'll, 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 <laughs> I, I will take over. He's he's my my version. Eric is a lovely, sweet man, but boy, he talks some rubbish sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that 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 kind of view just looks at it from thirty thousand feet. And sure, yeah, it looks like it's not that original, but you know there aren't really that many original stories in the world. What's what's important is what you do with them, and what you do with them is you have Robert Holmes in that era. So yes, it has nice direction, but my God, it's got the best writer the Doctor Who ever had, like overseeing every script, and it's got you know dialogue that sparkles. It's 
got beautiful character interplays and you know um, it's got Tom Baker it's, it's you know you you've just got everything coming together there um I I think nothing is completely immune from criticism, but I think the Hinchcliffe era is, you know, far and away the, the shining jewel in Doctor Who's crown. Um, you know, some people have different opinions, and, you know, that's fine. They're still wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, think the, I think the other thing is, is that I think the Doctor companion dynamic is is never better than under uh, than under the Hinchcliffe era. I think I think the, the relationship between the Doctor and Sarah Jane, and then the Doctor and the Doctor and Leela, is it really uses Tom Baker's chemistry effectively and the chemistry of working with Louise Jameson and, and Elizabeth Sladen. But I think it also just writes for the companions and the doctor in a very smart way. And I think and I, I saw it. Yeah. It's one of those things where I, I go, yeah, from 30,000 feet, that does, that does sort of seem like it, but the rest of it. Nah, you're wrong, Eric. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy a, I'll buy a drink when we're at, get when we're at Chicago. Now that's, this is actually a bit of a performance of the style of commentary that you do in uh, The Doctors Are In. Um, so we've glossed over it a little bit, but the what's the structure of the book? How If, if somebody wants to find out more about Peter Davison, say, uh, what are they going to find when they read the book and they page forward to the Fifth Doctor section? Well, they're first of all going to have a, a breakdown of what was happening in that precise moment of history of Doctor Who uh, when 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 uh, when when the Davison era happened, which was an era of you know uh, when, when Doctor Who began to become very popular in the United States and 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 get worldwide popularity and hit a sort of zenith with the twentieth anniversary. They're going to find it about uh, they're going to have a small biography of who Peter Davison was at the time he was cast, and he was at that point a very uh, popular actor who was who was kind of stunt cast into the role uh they're going to hear what the uh they're going to hear sort of three great moments from his career as a doctor they're going to hear they're going to hear two not so great moments in in the in this in the fifth doctor's tenure and then they're going to have a, a top companion uh in and they're going to discover that it's turlo for some very interesting reasons uh and they're going to hear what the uh top of what the uh classic foe was and i believe it was lamara i can't remember i, I think it's Black Guardian. It's the Black. It? It's, yeah, I it's think it's the Black Guardian. It's, no, it's Black Guardians. The Black Guardians in uh, Fourth Doctor. Oh yeah, Fourth Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so I think it's it's, it's, it's Mara then. Yeah. It's the Mara, yeah. and it's which I believe is the Mara, and you're going to edit that, right? Aren't you, Chip? Um. <laughs> anyway, of um, course. Yeah, of course. And uh, and then and then we're going and then there's a, a lengthy sort of analysis of that Doctor and what makes that particular Doctor tick and and what motivates him and how does he act and and actually I'm glad you picked the fifth doctor because that was actually one of my favorite ones uh that was one i wrote and uh i really one of the things i i I realized when i did this it was that i realized that to a certain extent you look at the way he dresses in cricket whites and and that sort of thing it's almost as though he he's the doctor is cosplaying as a human he he really you know he 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 sort of has is just that genuinely interested in kind of the affectations of being a human that he actually sort of you know he he picks what he thinks is is a human costume or an english human costume perhaps um, so yeah, there's so there's sort of a discussion of that, and then there's a review of of the character uh, of that era of, of that doctor, and where I am thoroughly enthusiastic about it, and Roberts. Uh no, I'm, I'm, I'm a little less so, yes. Yeah. And actually, it was interesting because I kind of sort of always liked the Fifth Doctor's era until I kind of came to think about it. It's like, what do I like about it? I like Peter Davison. I like Janet Fielding. I don't like very many of his stories. <laughs> and and so you've got this, this actually fantastic actor at the heart of it, 
in this era that's kind of not as good as it should be. And so, yeah, Graham is extremely enthusiastic about that era, and I'm a lot less enthusiastic about that era. Um, and that's the kind of glue that holds the, the, the whole thing together, I think. Um, as well, so that, that's sort of the guide to the, the Doctor, but then on the side we have um, his sort of top five stories where we get to say fun things or interesting things or disagree with each other violently, um, for example, about Snake Dance. Um, uh, I, I think with Castro Valva, we both like it, for instance. We talk about very, very different things there. I, I have a little cute acrostic, and, you know, Graham kind of makes money fun of me for that and so you know that 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 banter sort of happens in fast forward in, in the little story reviews yeah we picked we picked stories that were not necessarily the the best of that era or the worst of that era there were some more stories that were more indicative of the doctor in that particular era so now you limited yourselves to the tv show mm-hmm. yes because we're not insane yes which means that <laughs> which means that poor paul mcgann and John Hurt, you know, the war doctor uh, is, get, gets his uh, due here as well. Um, exp- yeah, but I, I, how'd I you think handle also, that? Uh, well, we made a decision very early on when we wrote, not just when we wrote this book, when we wrote Who is the Doctor, Robert was initially throwing in references to every single new adventure ever written in the entries. And I finally had just had to say, look, the average person who is buying this book in a bookstore is never going to ever see a new adventure in their life, and I'm sorry that's 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 the sad truth. Um, so let's 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 just limit the kind of field of scope to to the doctor in t- on the television show where, where they can more easily pick up the DVDs. Um, and and so we so we decided that and and we've kept that to that pretty much for the for, the, for all three books, you know, to the extent where, you know, we we won't use, you know, in the Who's 50 we we, we refuse to use uh, missing episodes, uh, you know, uh, even though there are reconstructions. Um, you know, we don't use big finish audios. We don't use we don't you know, we don't use and I think that is because you know, yes, there are Doctor Who fans are a diaspora of people that range from convention going people to people who buy the big finish audios and read all the books to people who people who just watch it on TV are kind of wanting to see get that. And I think we decided that we would rather err towards that group because we wanted to do a book that was first and foremost populist that, you know, that that was more for the general public than maybe necessarily a hardcore fan. We do give we do give McGann his due. Uh, and I think I think that that made our job harder to actually try and do. Uh, a review of of, of McGann, of um, but I think the character study that we actually do of McGann is actually quite good, even just using time of the Do- uh, sorry um, uh, night of the doctor and and the TV movie uh, sort of as as two poles like how do you get from from this romantic figure in in, in you know who, who who's enthusiastic about a pair of shoes to a guy who's willing to forsake his own name and basically you know so you know what is the arc between these two points uh, which I think is fascinating and I don't and I think you can do an interesting study and not necessarily have to get into Fitz Kreiner and and uh, and uh, Mary Shelley and and Charlie Pollard and and you know and the, and all the other various big finish arcs along the way. Now uh, you made it all the way through uh, series eight. How much time did you have? Because these books take an awful lot of lead time. How much time did you actually have to finish up? Uh, given that you decided that you wanted to include uh, Peter Capaldi's first year. Oh gosh! We, yeah, I mean, we we knew it was coming, obviously, so yeah. that that helped because we could do everything else in advance. And so, it actually, it's not dissimilar to what happened with um, 
um, actually both of our previous books because um, with Who Was the Doctor, we we put in everything before series six had gone out and then we had to kind of do series six quickly. Um, and with who's 50, we didn't know what the last story would be until name of the doctor had aired. And so then we, we went with that. So we're actually fairly used to kind of just coming in at the last minute, you know, when everything else is in place. Yeah. Capaldi, yeah, Capaldi got written fairly quickly. We, uh, we wrote most of that section in January. We wrote it while I was in Haiti, actually of all places. I was, well, uh, well I, I imagine was, it certainly helped that the whole series was a character study. <laughs> It was. It did. It did. And and so yeah, we we basically sort of uh, we basically sort of uh, I think before I left for Haiti, we sat down and, and sort of came up with you know what we wanted to do for a joint review, and then basically sort of just came it came together fairly quickly actually. I, I mean, I mean, Capaldi is such an interesting character. It it wrote itself essentially. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 one wasn't hard in the slightest. No, and as you say, it is yeah. a it is a total character study. Yeah. So you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's fascinating to me that you know within that season you have all sorts of interesting things where you know he he starts about referring to Clara as well. She's not uh, an assistant; she's more uh, a carer. So you know, because I because I, I don't have to care. And then he and at the end of the season he's he's basically calling her his friend in, in, in when he's talking to when he's talking to uh, Lethbridge Stewart in in uh, in Death in Heaven. So, you know, it's that's an interesting arc to me, you know, in terms of in terms of where the doctor sort of goes and, and how he how he relates to Clara. And there's similar things, you know, he talks about, am I a good man in 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 in, uh, in into, the uh, into the Dalek? And, and, you know, by the end of the season, he sort of he sort of comes up with his own answer to that question in, in death in heaven, you know. So, yeah, it, it is. It is a fascinating. It was a fascinating thing. Yeah, it was actually the perfect capstone to the whole book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you two both know Doctor Who intimately and possibly pathologically. That's just a rumor. <laughs> did anything uh, did anything for you change in your estimations of the Doctors? It, I mean, this is the third book that you've written in this sort of a trilogy series kind of thing. Did your evaluations of the Doctors and of their eras change at all in the creation of this book, or... This was pretty much putting pen to paper about what you knew and uh, and revisiting some of your perennial arguments along the way. I, I, I think Doctor Who's fractal, right? The, the more you look, the more you see. And so, I, I, I mean... The, the day that I don't find anything new and exciting about Doctor Who is the day I get out. And so for me, yeah, there's, there's always great stuff to uncover. One of the things I realized was was just how much I love the Pertwee era, except for John Pertwee. <laughs> and so so I've always sort of known that John Pertwee didn't do it for me. But I was like, man, his era is so great. And and it's like it's got all these things that are just, you know, working at, at top speed. Like all the companions are amazing. Like the whole unit stuff is awesome. The, you know, Exile the Worth format is great. And I was like, man, I love this stuff. It's just the Doctor that doesn't do it for me. And I was like, oh, that's actually really interesting. And so it, it Help me sort of, you know, coalesce in that way um, to think about that. And I, I had that over and over again, I think, with lots of the, the different eras. Yeah, it was, it was similar for me. I, I, I think the one that I already talked about the uh, the the Fifth Doctor sort of cosplaying as uh, cosplaying as a human, and I think that for me was one of, one of my favorite moments in writing the book was that was that oh yeah, I can I, I can still find it, I can still kind of discover and glom onto new and interesting things about this about this show I've loved for thirty years. I, I yeah, the, the Eighth Doctor was. A similar it was a similar experience. I also really, I also really, um, the Sixth Doctor was an interesting review because I'm very negative about the Sixth Doctor, but it, it gave me. I finally had the space to try and unpack for myself what was it that that bothered me so much, and and I don't think I'd ever tried to sort of break that down before. So it was it was a it was a, it was a good experience too. 
Yeah, so, I think I, I put pen to paper about the Seventh Doctor in a way I hadn't before, and I'd always really, really loved the Seventh Doctor, but I, it, it's, he's kind of a hard one to sort of, you know, enunciate what it is that's exactly working so right, and I feel I really got it this time, and so I was very happy with that too. Well, that leads very nicely into a closing lightning round then. Uh, real quick, uh, the two of you, what was your favorite section to work on this time? I think my favorite section was was individual stories because I think I think that's to me where like we we boiled it down to the essence of what we do the best um, and we just went back and forth back and forth and so um, one of my, um, one of the hardest bits I wrote but my favorite bit was the um, um, the the filk that I do on it's the end of the world as we know it for the story of the end of the world um, and, and trying to trying to match a very 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 difficult song um, to you know dialogue and concepts from the show uh, that to me took it took days to write and it took me immersed in that song and I have that song memorized. Um, but but it, it pulled it out for me really nicely. Yeah, I guess it was um, it, for me. I, I the section I think I found the hardest to write, and yet I was very satisfied with how it came out. Was actually the uh, the first Doctor. Um, we didn't actually write it in order. Um, we, we almost never write our books in order. Uh, we uh, but we did. Well, we, who's fifty? We wrote in order. But the uh, but but we, you did. I didn't. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, you did. You did. You. Did, I made you write who's fifty in order because, because no, we started with Lieutenant. No, no, no. Oh, who's oh, sorry, who's fifty? We wrote in order. Oh, right. who, who's yes. the doctor? Yeah, who's yeah, the doctor? Yes. We, we, uh, who's the doctor? Yeah. We wrote totally mm-hmm. out of order. This mm-hmm. one we wrote out of order. Um, so I, we wrote. I think we started with the third doctor. We moved forward, and then we went back. And because we knew that the first, we knew that the first doctor was going to be a tricky one to write. And and when I sat down and wrote it, I, I, I just, I was really. Um, I remember we were. I was writing about William Hartnell, and I and I, I, I said this phrase came to me. It was, uh, you know, he didn't know it then, but 1963 was possibly the greatest year of William Hartnell's career. And I suddenly realized, you know, and that that for me suddenly encapsulated everything about about William Hartnell and uh, that fact that you know he started out that year with the release of The Sporting Life, which was sort of his, which would have been a breakout character performance, you know, 50 years, you know, if, if, if it had come out 50 years later. Um, and and ended the year sort of doing Doctor Who, you know. And so and, and so then from there, I just kind of went down. And then when I got to the sort of analysis on what makes the first Doctor tick, it just it just really, it, it was hard to write, but it but I suddenly was just able to really kind of drill down into what, what I loved about that character so much. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. This is a new and fascinating definition of lightning round. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, final question then, um, and this possibly gives away a little something in the book, but heck, I'll ask it anyway. Your respective favorite doctors and doctors whom you consider definitive. Ooh. <laughs> they may not be the same thing, mightn't they? Uh, I've I famously never had a fa- favorite doctor. Um, I I kind of reject the question a bit. I feel like it's trying to pick your favorite sibling. I I, I can't do it, and I don't even want to. Um, but there are doctors that do it for me more than others. You know, the the fourth doctor, the seventh doctor, um, the ninth doctor, the eleventh doctor. There's there's some that really really push my buttons, and it depends. You know, if it's on a Tuesday, it might be one. If it's on a Wednesday, it might be another. Um, I'm not sort of going to narrow it down beyond there. Um, there's something very definitive for me about the second Doctor, actually. Um, I think I think he captures something kind of quite magical very early on in the show's run, and also you know we're denied seeing a lot of it too. Um, 
but but from the glimpses that we have, I think he's kind of got it. And and then uh, there's a lot of reactions to that subsequently. Um, I think because he did something very definitive. Um, so even though I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's my favorite, but he he probably gets the definitive thing for me. I guess uh, well, I can probably do this more lightning round uh, style. Um, so your favorites would probably be uh, fourth, tenth, uh, third, and first, um, and now twelfth. Uh, I think, you know, a definitive, uh, I'd probably go to the fourth doctor, um, and the sort of, and I'd probably even then even specify sort of, I'd say the fourth doctor, the Hinchcliffe, the Hinchcliffe doctor, but also I, I think, I think, I think the Graham Williams doctor. And I, I think it's, I think they're very different, very, it's the, it's the same character under two producers' aegises, and I think they have very different ways, and I think the character reacts very differently as a result. And, and, and I think both are, both are astonishing. And, and, you know, I, I mean, to a certain extent, it's hard to separate out of the fact that I started watching Doctor Who under this, under, under this Doctor, but, and frankly, I probably wouldn't be here 30 years later had it not been for watching that Doctor, but, I also think that the, just the way that Tom Baker plays the role and the way that Tom Baker takes ownership of the role and takes the role into interesting directions uh, as 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 he goes on um, is 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 fascinating to me. Oh, I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you and, agree with and, me totally. No, I, I disagree. I actually, I do disagree entirely. I don't think Tom Baker is definitive. I think that he's magnificent, but he's an outlier among the Doctors, and and the attempts to capture Tom Baker. Like in later Doctors, especially in the new series, they, they fail miserably, I think. I think Doctor Who is not good when it's trying to be Tom Baker because you can't do that without Tom Baker. So I don't think Tom Baker is definitive at all. But that depends on what you mean by definitive, I guess. What is definitive? Is I, it, I, I don't think he's like an uber doctor. I don't think he's some sort of representative doctor or anything like that. I think he's... I don't, I don't he's, think... I, I, guess I, don't, I guess I don't have a different... Yeah. I, I don't have a de- definition of definitive for me. Definitive is what is the character that sort of defines the role. And I think I, I think... I think he defines the role. I don't think you can actually imitate it. But I think I think if I think of Doctor Who, I think of I think of Tom Baker immediately. And and I think you know that. And I think judging by the gasps in the room that when we watch mm-hmm. the Day of the Doctor, I think I think I am not the only person who thinks. I, that. I, I think people think of him, but I don't. I don't think he defines the role. To be honest, I, th- I think he he makes it. In fact, you can't you can't do Tom Baker again. He, he's not a defining character. He's he's, he's a magnificent character, but he, but he's so different from anything else that ever came before or since. Anyways, um, so yeah. <laughs> did so, you yeah, know that? It's a great book. Did you, <laughs> did you know that if you count the seconds after a bolt of lightning strikes and wait for the for the sound of the thunder, you know how far away the lightning is. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor, the doctors are in ECW Press. When's it on the shelves? When can people get it? How can people get it? Oh, they can get it from it's, all fine booksellers. Yes, uh, it's it's out now. It's, it's out now. It's in in bookstores. It's online. It's yeah. it's everywhere. Yeah. Robert Smith? Question mark. Or is it Robert Smith? Or Robert Smith and Graham Burke? Thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast. You can listen to Graham Burke on the Reality Bomb monthly magazine podcast, where Doctor Who podcasting has never sound more NPR. Uh, and Graham is also, if you're listening to this in real time, he is going to be on this Sunday's Radio Free Scarrow uh, for the duration of the episode. Robert Smith does not do podcasting. He just but it is Robert shows. Smith. 
Well, thank you for that clarification because I've always, you know, I've never had reason to actually call you by surname. Uh, I, call him, I call him Smith, and the question mark is entirely silent. <laughs> it's an implied about the pronunciation of his own name. <laughs> it's an implied question mark, gentlemen. Thank you so much. It's a great book. I commend it to all my listeners and the Two Minute Time Lord podcast. More episodes that are generally closer to two minutes long are at TWOMinuteTimeLord.com and I'm on social media at numeral Two Minute Time Lord. Bad planning on the part of selecting a domain name. Gentlemen, have a good one. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. <laughs>